Sego, Sego Guego. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to our Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast, focusing on Haudenosaunee cultural topics recorded on Haudenosaunee territory. Our podcasts are produced by Aboriginal Legal Services with the technical assistance of Humble Man Recording. My name is Lisa Venever from the Mohawk Nation and the Wolf Clan. I'm the coordinator of the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name program and the host of this podcast. Welcome to the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word Donate, located at the top of the homepage of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services, Toronto, Canada. This is the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. Welcome, everyone, to today's podcast, and we have a very special guest today, in person, actually, coming to speak with us, and it's Carolyn King from Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation are our neighbors at Six Nations of the Grand River. We're really close neighbors, and so um, I've known Carolyn for several years. I don't even know how many years, but a lot of years. And Carolyn is a former elected chief of the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. And she was actually the first woman elected chief of her community from 1997 to 1999. Carolyn received the Queen Elizabeth II Diamond Jubilee Medal in 2012 and the Order of Canada in 2020. Um, what we're here to talk about today, though, is Carolyn is the Moccasin Identifier Project founder. Is that right, founder? Is that uh, the right creator, word? Creator guess, yeah. of the yeah. Moccasin Identifier Project, which began in 2011. So welcome, Carolyn. It's so great that you're actually here with us in person. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> great to see you, Lisa. And that, uh, yeah, so it's uh, um, great to be here. And thank you for you know, doing this information about the Moccasin Identifier. Well, let's get right into it. And okay. um Tell us how this project began. Okay, um, that uh, the moccasin identifier evolved. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually, uh, when I started at, as an employee at the Mississaugas of the Credit, we uh, come back to be an employee for the duty to consult and accommodate initiatives, and that I, uh, they were already doing a. Um, research project uh, using di- technology and I call it the digital dot and where they were researching our significant sites and in our treaty lands 
and then the idea was that they would create a dot on the you know when you're driving down you're driving with your driving map zoom or rays whatever ways whatever program you use to for distance and driving well that there would be a point of interest you might say and that those are just kind of dots on the map and you can go to them or you can click on them and see what it is and well the idea was that we would be one of them and not just for us but for indigenous people right so mm -hmm. for our our uh, uh, that's what we were doing uh, that was already underway and so i was presenting uh, at a um, one of our annual conferences the historical conference which started in 2010 uh, or nine i think it was yeah because it's already had experienced 10 years and that they, uh, I, I, I presented uh, as part of the mapping project, and it was called Dreamcatcher. Uh, mm -hmm. That's what the map thing was called. We were partnered with the um, University of Waterloo, and they wanted to, um, well, we were presenting, well, what goes on behind the dot is all the research. What makes that site significant? And so, as it turns out, the uh, and then we were going to the historical gathering to talk about the Dreamcatcher uh, mapping project. And so I, we were presenting the information about Catherine Sutton mm -hmm. and that uh, she was a Mississauga uh, woman and she married out. You know, she married to a non-native uh, bon, I'm going to, not, we call her Nani for short. She got a long name, mm -hmm. Nani Baba Kwe, and mm -hmm. that uh, her English name is Catherine Sutton. And she, uh, you know, back then she'd taken off the ban list and she's no longer considered uh, native and lost all her rights as a indigenous woman. And so her and her husband, they were going to build and buy, buy land and build up in Collingwood area on the west side of Collingwood. And that, so they were up there and uh, so when she went to, they went to go buy the land and her, and she was, she was a very, what do you call it, progressive woman. Yeah. And that uh, she, um, she was told that because she was native, she could not own land. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yet, you know, the system had just taken her off and taken away all her rights. So she got mm, stressed out and about that and she uh, wrote letters and yeah. she got on a ship eight months pregnant and went to visit Queen Victoria oh yeah and got a you know a face-to-face -face meeting with her and that she asked for the rights to own land and all of that she didn't get it but the fact that she you know took those steps to advocate for indigenous women and the First Nation um, you know, set her on a path of writing letters and advocating, and she was a rights person. She um, authored books and papers. So we were presenting about her, mm -hmm. why she was that site was significant. And see, I could, I was there with the the research team, so and I know what was what I saw, right? So you were with Donald Smith and the archaeologists and uh, a couple other people, and that. Uh, it's just, at the time, it's just remnant farmland, like an old concrete wall in the corner there and stuff. And so the um, archaeologists said that, you know, when they dig this all up and take away all our, I call it our stuff, mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so. It's, and, and it's anybody's stuff. Archaeologists, when they go and do a site, they pick everything up. The pen, the pen cap, broken caps, everything that might be there is picked up, documented, and put in a bag and stored. So anyway, including our stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, when we were presenting that, um, he said, how will they know that you were ever here if we take everything away? And, you know, well, you know what, I, I don't know, I guess. Um, so that's why we're trying to mark the site, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I got a question from the floor and said, um, well, you're talking about all this digital technology and everything. So what is going to, what happens if I go there and I don't have a phone, let alone a smartphone? What am I going to see? And I said, nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, all, it's basically all gone. It's been covered up, plowed up, uh, in some cases paved over. So our significant sites are lost. And that, uh, so it was suggested, uh, and this is my friend Jane B. Croft and uh, my historical friends in Toronto um, were there. And they said, well, maybe you should consider a plaquing program, a permanent marker that the, all the public can see it and know. And I said, okay, well, this was a Friday, last day of our conference, three-day conference. And I said, okay, well, let's chat about it after. And we did. And so then they said, well, if we're going to have a placking system, you need to have a, a uh, unique identifier, something that is recognizable, mm-hmm. uh, a symbol. And so, and we said, okay. And they said, what rule should that be? Uh, what could it be? And it was suggested an eagle feather. And I said, no, eagle feather is too important to the indigenous people. It's uh, sacred. And I said, and you know, in the Anishinaabe, uh, a feather down is one of our warriors down. And so, no, we don't want that to be on the ground. And so they said, well, maybe one of the dotums, you know, the the deer, the bear, you know, the eagle, all of that. And I said, no, that's the same thing. Those things are too sacred to us. And that if we put it on the ground and people walk all over it and don't know what it is, I said, it's just going to make us mad again. So yeah. let's not yeah. go there. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, Carolyn, you need to come up with something. You, what, what will be the symbol then? If we, we take this up to, uh, they told us, they told me that they were going to be meeting with the government uh, by next the next Friday, and that I, they said, you give us, you come up with a suggested symbol, and we'll take it to the government and talk about this project. And I said, okay. So Friday, I go back to my office. I go back, I don't go into work until Tuesday. And so I wrote on my whiteboard at the old council house at New Credit, um, I wrote on there, what will identify us and connect us to the land? Mm-hmm. Every day I went in and read that question, mm-hmm. and I said, just say, what is it? And I said, it shouldn't have taken me three days, <laughs> but I said, it's our footwear. Yeah. And, the, and that's why I call myself the creator yeah. of this idea. Yeah. And uh, then we started to research it, and that's how we, our next step was to, to connect with the Batashu in Toronto, which has an amazing Indigenous collection. I've heard that. It is. Yes. So, so that was uh, other friends, arts friends, they said, well, you have to go see that exhibit. And at that time, it was running a, a, an exhibit called Beauty, Pride, and Identity. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it 
so going back to about Sonia Vada, who the, the museum is named after, it's the largest private museum of its kind in the world. Wow. And she puts such a emphasis on the indigenous collection. Yeah. That I've been I've been fortunate to be honored to be in the vaults. Yeah. Um, two stories down, there are two vaults the same size, and then one half is the indigenous collection, the other half is the rest of the world. Wow. Yeah, and then she does the circumpolar and North America. Mm-hmm. And so those are the moccasin or footwear designs that are in there. So like Tibet, Siberia, the Inuit, and then North America. There's really only two Anishinaabe moccasins in there because they have all of them. Mm-hmm. And the, the exhibit was um, uh, was amazing. Wow. I, went, I went there about six times and just sat there with it. Yeah. You know, because you can watch videos, you can read the stories and you know, uh, do some interactive things as part of the exhibit, and it stayed for six years wow. in there. Um, so that, and we got to know that we we become a partner. Uh, Battleshoe is one of our our key partners, and that they give us full access to the collection, mm-hmm. and we get to go there and look at it. We're going to go back soon. Uh, just COVID, we were out, but take some other people who haven't seen the collection. Oh, um, I want to take along. Yeah, Carolyn. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there might be a whole crew. <laughs> And that uh, she um, and they, they uh, the executive director there, her name is um, Elizabeth Samuhak, and uh-huh. that uh, she um, give us full access, and they give you handlers, like you don't touch anything. Yeah. They gloves. Look at, Are you yeah. wearing gloves? No, we don't wear gloves. They, they, the handlers do that. Oh. And they just say, "What do you want to look at?" Oh, they and don't so even then, let you touch yeah, them. So they they put the moccasin on a in their hands, and then you get to look at it. Oh, and yeah. then you turn it around, and you're just like showcasing it to you. And that now uh, the hides. Uh, after all this time, are the hide? Can you still smell the hides? Yeah. Well, so we went there, and my first time, my first time going in there, I, um, I say that there are a few things that stop me from talking or take my breath away in the world, and mm-hmm. I said this was one of them. Yeah. When I went to went uh, went into the exhibit, and that uh, it is leather, yeah. it's smoked. And it's somebody's footwear. Yeah. It has a smell. Yeah. And um, not only the visual ambience of it all, uh, that uh, I went in there and I went, like, <laughs> literally, you know, and I'm just like, oh, my goodness. It just, I can still feel it, you yeah. know. That, uh, Did how, you, it was, was it, like, powerful? Yeah. Was it a powerful feeling? Yeah, it feeling? is. It's just like, oh, my goodness, look at all this, right? Yeah. And that, um, and then the, the, Ones are all over, and the thing that it's because it's leather, it's considered living. Yeah. So that's why they have to have it all separate. Yeah. And that, uh, and uh, what the story is that Sonia Bata, uh, she literally purchased all that herself. Wow. And she went out and she traveled and she, you know, looked at what she wanted for the exhibit and stuff, and she never. They say she never dickered, and they said, "What would you like for this?" Mm-hmm. You know, if they said two hundred dollars or two thousand dollars, whatever. Mm-hmm. She paid it. Mm-hmm. So she did the selection of almost all of the collection. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, it is an amazing collection. Mm-hmm. And that uh, then they have all the curated work that goes with it. So that's what our project is based on. When mm-hmm. we talk about these moccasin designs that um, we can say, these are based on real moccasins that are in the holdings of the uh, Batashu Museum. Mm-hmm. And so... 
so the, at least the credibility of the designs we picked and that uh, Philip Cote, uh, we engaged him to do the research and to do, look at the drawings and stuff. And so... Um, he's an amazing artist. I've seen yeah. his artwork. Oh, yeah. he's just amazing. And so what we, what we have evolved to be is the, um, the Cree in the north. We mm -hmm. represent the, the moccasin identifier represents Ontario indigenous people linguistically. Mm -hmm. See, there's 133, but they're all like either Cree, Ojibwe, you know, and so the, we have the Cree in the north, and there's none here. They, they don't have the land base here in the southern Ontario. And then we have the Nishnabi, kind of in most of mid to southern Ontario. Then we have the Huron-Wendats, who are um, um, now in the ground but live in Quebec. Mm -hmm. And then we use the Iroquois Seneca um, as they, in the historical context and for the educational document that we have, they're the ones who first came through to settle from New York State. So that's why we use that. Because um, they were geographically on the um, western part. Yes. Of, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the whole historical story about, you know, them coming in to settle and the battles that happened. And there's the uh, Seneca sites in Toronto. You know, you get the, the big archaeological sites in there. And we have the Huron-Wendat up at uh, Crawford Lake. Uh, oh, yeah. So we, we researched all of that, and that's how we come up with the four. And uh, we're fortunate that uh, uh, Philip Cote did the research, and he was, went into the museum with us, and he took pictures, and they give him access to go back if he needed to clarify anything. So he took pictures of them, and then he drew them, uh, and then he made the stencils from the mm -hmm. drawings. So that's how we get to the different ones. And some of these, he said, were very difficult to make, uh, to get the lines and so that, you know, when you rip it off, it's there. And we're always struggling every day when we're having to deal with them, right? Yeah, stencils uh, are quite different. Yeah, the stencils are different, yeah. yeah. Um, I, didn't, I, I have the stencil, but I didn't bring them in. This is the decals that we, we were done up for it. This is the, the Cree moccasin. And oh, this is yeah. the simplified version, because uh, he did a very good job on them, and he put the um, a lot of detail in there. But it was too hard for the stencil yeah. to get all of that on there when you're painting. So that's that's what we uh, you know what he did, and so he he's uh, his work is a key part of all of that. So and, Carolyn is showing us the drawings. Yeah. <laughs> Which our listeners can't see, but but where can they see these, Carolyn? You, you have a website, right? Yeah, moccasinidentifier.com. Oh, yeah. If you go to moccasinidentifier.com, you'll be able to see all four of the um, renditions of the moccasins used for, yeah. the, for the project. And more. And more. Now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so is this now a pro? It started out as a project. Has it morphed now, evolved, you say, into a movement? Um, I would like to think so. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, you know, the one thing is we call it the Moccasin Identifier Project, and we, we've dropped project because there's another initiative uh, program that uses project, and we get mixed up. Oh, okay. Where they use real moccasins, and we don't. Yeah. Um, and so we just we leave it off, and we kind of don't know what to call it yet. Is it a, is it a program, initiative, a campaign, or a movement, right? Yeah. Uh, I get, I get, uh, 
uh, all excited about it being a movement. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, with the movement, you have to involve a lot of people continuously, right? So, yeah, it could be that. It could be a movement. <laughs> yeah, and so we, uh, our focus in starting it was to go into the schools. Yeah. And so my, my uh, big line is that as we, as First Nations people, do not get a marker on the ground today. We are going to be lost forever. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to recreate educational stuff about us, created by us, that uh, we engage the school system. And that's what it's evolved to today. And we focus on the education, and edu- what do you call it, the education kit. And it's uh, focused on grades one to eight right now. Mm-hmm. But anybody can do it. It's oh, a very yeah. simple process uh, uh, that... Uh, the, um, so that has been our key focus, uh, to educate the next generation. And I say that if, that this province is going to be, I say, I go, I have a dream too. Mm-hmm. This province is going to be covered with moccasin and identifiers within the next decade. And they will forever know who's laying the run. Yeah. And we're starting over with the children. Yeah. So if we can, you know, just think 10 years that uh, the school system has now been more open to include the Indigenous history, uh, at least we know in Ontario, uh, it was kind of challenged. But the, if we, we work with the teachers. They invite us in. And so we haven't been coming from the board level down. We've been coming from the teachers up. Mm. And so we go into the classrooms, and we've done hundreds of classrooms and thousands of children. Oh, well, that's great. Yeah. Um, you have a toolkit, right? What is in the toolkit? What kind of things are in the toolkit? Um, well, this this is it now. It's a folder? Because it's a folder. It was a box. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that uh, now it's a folder and has four stencils in it. The, I think we said the Cree, the uh, Seneca, the uh, Huron-Wendats, and the Algonquin. Nishnabi, all of that. So, oh yeah. Uh, and then inside there is a uh, how a brochure, a how-to page, and the four stencils. Oh, okay. Because yeah. now everything's on, the curriculum is online. Oh, okay. Yeah, there used That's to be true. other things, and we used to even, in the box there was even the paint rollers and everything. Oh yeah. But uh, teachers, uh, we 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 keep checking with the teachers. Does this work? Yeah. How can are you able to use it easy? What's the best thing for you? So then we take guidance from them because it's them we want in the classroom to deliver, and that. Um, so they were saying, it's got to be online, and it's got to be can't have stuff that's going to get lost. Yeah. So it's moved to this, and then so they and almost every class has got paint and rollers and stuff like that, and yeah. so we that's that's what it is now. It's a folder that goes out. And so when when a when someone gets the uh, stencils and they want to put it somewhere, um, do they do they tell your community so you have a list of where everything is? Uh, well, kind of. Yeah. I mean, we send it out to people and we ask for feedback. Did yeah. you have you done it? And yeah. Yeah. That whole feedback. Did it work? What's best? And so you know we can easily target with the schools uh, and get feedback from the teacher who ordered and then the. Um, in um, individuals, yeah, you know, send individuals. us pictures. Oh, that's great. Yeah, give us pictures if, if you put it on, on your sidewalk, your step, or whatever. And that's happening. Individual so people, people that are living in, in, um, in, a, 
in a place where where um, this could go, they could just do it themselves on their front step. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. Or their, or their, their street. We Last year, or two, over the years, people have taken it up, and they will, June 21st, you might say, they'll do their whole, get their neighbors involved, uh, their children, and they'll paint the street. Mm, that's and interesting. And it is non-toxic paint. Yeah. So it's um, tempera paint or chalk spray. Okay, that's so, what you, you yeah. um, suggest to use. Yes, yeah. Well, we, we have to use that to go into the school. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's no choice. But, if I mean, if you have permission and it's your own staff, you could use permanent paint. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And so schools possible. actually are doing this outside yes. their school? Yes, on the okay. sidewalks and playgrounds. Wow. Yes. Well, I can see the, all of the um, components um, you have here in this um, well, it's not a project in this movement. It could really be a movement because there's so much moving parts. Yeah, and we say that, that we want to go across Canada. Oh, and wow. so we're doing a contract uh, right now, uh, almost finished, but we're going across Canada using, we're in partnership right now uh, on a contract basis with Deloitte, the big consulting company, and that they are updating their land acknowledgement yeah. and their entryway plaques in which case they're agreeable to upgrade their, their land acknowledgement. And they do that with their relevant people, who's ever land they're on. Like, and we're doing from Halifax to Vancouver. Yeah. And so there's uh, six places. And so we, we have the, uh, on the website now, uh, people can see it, the Mi'kmaq, and what their markers and design was for the Halifax site. So that's done. We're into Montreal uh, mm -hmm. with that one, Ottawa. Toronto, um, Calgary, and um, BC. Wow! So we're and so we're researching each one of those places, mm -hmm. and then we have an our work with the the group, and then they they create uh, update their their land acknowledgement, and so the land acknowledgement is getting broader, uh, where it has uh, the First Nation, it has a, like the land acknowledgement has it in the language. And then it has it, the two moccasin or a moccasin or two uh, on the picture too. Oh wow! Yeah, so they're getting very comprehensive, and that's that's great. It's a great little project, uh, uh, challenging, but you know to get to go across the country. So now we have, as I say, we have more moccasins. Yeah. Uh, to showcase, and uh, the idea is that we're going to going to cover Canada. Mm. So. And so it should be. So Carolyn. it should be. Yes. Um, Let's talk about uh, where are the famous places, I guess, that people would know about where they can find a moccasin identifier. Well, it is um, to say that we focused on the education uh, component, and now we've expanded on. Uh, the most famous is the Ontario Place, okay. uh, the entry wall uh, into the Ontario Place, which was done for the 150, uh -huh. and that uh, the Ontario Ministry of the Day uh, under Kathleen Wynne's government, uh, they looked to revitalize the Toronto Island, Toronto, the Ontario Place, and mm -hmm. so they took a unused parking lot, and um, I shouldn't say unused. They took a parking lot, and on the east side, and they looked to recreate that for the people right on the mm -hmm. water's edge, and so the company that uh, was doing that. Um, Land Inc. and West 8, I think they're two consulting companies. Well, um, they sent a letter to the First Nations that they were looking at doing this project and that uh, I was already on 
working in the duty to consult office. And so um, the current chief, he was the counselor back then, he brought the um, he brought the letter over and he goes, I think this is more like for you to do. Mm-hmm. So I went to that first meeting with the minister. And so was, we were working with the University of Waterloo. So uh, Fred McGarry come along with me. And uh, so we went there and I um, wore my vest, mm-hmm. sat in the front seat. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, so they uh, did their whole presentation about the concept ideas they had already laid out for the project, and the minister, Chang or Chan, at the time, he presented. Then got down to, are there any questions? Right away, I stood up first. I just put my hand up, and I said, "We're the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation, and that uh, you should not be going forward without consulting with us, engaging mm-hmm. in consulting with us." And I and he goes yes, and I said I'll help you. That's mm-hmm. what I said. And so he goes, okay. <laughs> and and it started. And I was on that project till fruition because mm-hmm. uh, I was employed by the band. And I went to all the meetings, Margaret and I, uh, and we were on the design, basically the design team. And uh, they listened. Yeah. You know, I, I did a presentation afterwards in that campaign to save the. Uh, uh, the Ontario place a couple of years back, and that they asked me to come in and talk about my part in that, or, uh, you know, the revitalization of the park there. So it's called the Trillium Park and the William G. Davis Trail. And oh, so yeah. at the entryway, the moccasin, uh, the Anishinaabe moccasin, is engraved into the wall, and it's a big stone wall that's 15 feet high and 35 feet long, and there are th- three huge moccasins engraved into the stone and wow. plus signage along the way. And mm-hmm. that uh, we talked to them about, you know, if they're making a park that's going to have some indigenous perspective in it, you know, that it not be straight lines and that it's at the water's edge. It has a fire pit, yeah. a fire pit, not yeah. a barbecue. Yeah. And so it's, we can go there and have ceremony. And it's a popular, today, it's a popular site you have to book it and you can go have a fire um, around there and you don't have to take a little barbecue and wieners yeah you know so you can still do that so if we went there and uh, we would do a ceremony it can be both because it's a a nice a really nice area and we're doing the marker trees they put carolinian plants and just last year they on on we're continuing to work with them and that they had the the plants are now in the English name, Latin name, Nishnabi. Mm. Yeah, so we've got, I think, 17 plaques, and that when they walk down the trail, they can learn. Um, so, And we're looking to do more, you yeah. know, there, and they're open. We're working with the Ontario Place staff to do additional things. And uh, if it works out, uh, we're going to be involved with a new master plan for the uh, Ontario Place. Well, that's really exciting news. I mean... You know, it you to make change, you gotta be change, right? You gotta get in there and and um, tell That's them your ideas. You gotta be there. You gotta be there. Um, and I can see this moccasin project, or I don't want to call it a project uh-huh. then. This moccasin identifier movement to um, take on, like you said, it's it's carved in the granite. You can you you can make it permanent if you yes. like, right? Yes. So, and I can see it in like iron. You know how you can do iron cutouts in metal. You yes. can do that kind of thing. No, as I have well. that, that. I that's on my. 
my daughter, granddaughter gave me one for Christmas last year, a mm. uh, year before. So I've had it a whole year. And she got the um, uh, local metalworks guy um, to make it for me. And that uh, it's well this long and it's steel. Yeah. And steel. so I'm, I'm looking to get a stand for it so I can stick it outside, home with the moccasin and identifier, right? <laughs> but it's, you know, when I do my Zoom meetings, yeah. that's what's behind me. Oh, nice. There's no getting Carolyn without the moccasin <laughs> identifier. It's just the way it works. Oh, my gosh. You'll be one of those famous dots on the Google Maps. <laughs> yeah. Um, Carolyn. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, did you have anything else you wanted to share with the listeners? Well, we are moving along. Um, we are doing videos. Um, just to, how we're, you know, we're, we're kind of like everywhere now. Yeah. Uh, we're really focusing, uh, big focus on the conservation authorities. Yeah. The waterways, because that's where our people lived, mm -hmm. along the waterways. And that uh, they're prime groups to tell our story. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this Friday, we're going to be going, uh, New Credit reps and the Mississauga Nation reps, we're going to Orangeville to uh, what's called Island Lake Conservation. It's at the source of the, the Credit River. Mm -hmm. And... Where they've got funding, support from the First Nation, to uh, develop a whole site, teaching circles, markers and identifier trails, information things, and so that we're going to go there to have our first site design meeting mm. with them. Yeah, like in person. Yeah. Uh, and they're getting, they'll get ready to build. Uh, mm. I think they got seven hundred plus thousand dollars mm -hmm. as part of that initiative. Yeah. And so we've designed working with them. Um, from the source to the mouth uh, sites oh, yeah. that are, will be showcased through there. Mm. Uh, so just a start of a long process. That's and we're working with the other conservation authorities. And we, as the Mississaugas, we focus in the treaty land. And that uh, I was just talking to the uh, uh, Economic Development Council. I did their uh, land acknowledgement and opening remarks last Wednesday. And that I um, was telling them about treaty lands and First Nations. And I said, some of you may not have a First Nation in your municipal jurisdiction, but I says, I can guarantee that you are on somebody's treaty land. Yeah. And so when we move forward and that we're, you're talking about development, I said, we need somebody in that room who's going to say, who's going to ask the question, will this affect the First Nations? Yeah. I said, because there are rooms that we as First Nations people will never be in, invited to. Mm -hmm. So we need somebody in this room who's got the courage to ask that question on our behalf. Mm. Well, let's not say never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never, yeah. Oh, hopefully not, yeah. 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 Wow, so. this has been such a exciting and informative podcast with you, Carolyn, um, to learn about the moccasin identifier. So if... If the listeners, if you want to learn more, you can go to moccasinidentifier.com. And if you're a teacher in this community, in this province, um, please go to the moccasinidentifier.com and think about bringing that knowledge into your classroom. Okay, this has been a great time sitting and talking with my friend Carolyn. Yeah. Okay, onikiwahi, Carolyn. Yep, onikiwahi to you too. Okay. Yahweh, okay. thank you for listening to this episode of the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast, which has been produced by Aboriginal Legal Services 
and hosted by me, Lisa Venevery. There are 10 episodes in this podcast series. Let's meet again on the next episode. This has been the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. If you would like to learn more about our organization, Aboriginal Legal Services, and the programs and services we provide, please visit us at our website, www.aboriginallegal.ca. And if you feel inclined and would like to make a donation, you can click on the word Donate, located at the top of the homepage of our newly updated website. You can also visit us on Facebook at Aboriginal Legal Services, Toronto, Canada. This has been the Yohate Negasuna, The Road to Your Name podcast series. Yo-ha-hi-yo. Yo-ha-hi-yo.